0: All right, what up, what up, episode 26 of the Stiff Shots podcast, and what a 26 it is. A lot of wrestling happened in this past week, some of it good, none of the good was on the show that we're going to be talking about today, Crown Jewel Halloween Havoc 2019. A lot of action surrounding the event, not only the event itself, but the prelude to it, the epilogue to it, the, the post credit scene of the show. Uh, MLW also had their super fight Saturday night or whatever. New Japan Pro Wrestling had Power Struggle. Just uh, lots of wrestling happening all the time. Hard to keep up with it all, really, but it's fun to try to keep up with any of it. My name is Ryan Rainbow, and with me as always is Rick Jimenez. And we are going to be talking primarily about the Crown Jewel event from Saudi Arabia. Rick, how you doing?
1: Yo, I'm taking off my pants right now.
0: Oh, man, that is cool. And like Angel Garza, you have a trunks underneath it.
1: Yeah, black trunks from the gap.
0: Very cool, very cool. Well, did you get to watch uh, any other shows besides Crown Jewel? I know you've been busy lately with different things here and there.
1: I watched Power this morning. Oh, very cool. I was watching NXT before I had to do eight more things before we started this recording. So it is 9.50 p.m. Wednesday. I watched the first... 30 minutes of NXT, which was essentially the only 30 minutes of downtime I had today. I started watching Power Struggle. Power Struggle?
0: Power Struggle, yeah, that's the crossover.
1: Uh, I always have to fit in New Japan, like kind of shoehorn it into uh, my time. So I'll, the New Japan pay-per-views I wind up watching over the course of like a week or something. I'll catch like a match here and there. You know, I was at Raw, which I didn't pay for. I have some, some feelings about Raw. Let's talk about that real quick, actually, for anybody who did or did not watch Raw. I was at the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island, and it was the most dead crowd I've ever been a part of in a wrestling environment that wasn't in a gymnasium or a VFW or something. I, I just can't overstate how dead this crowd was, and... You know, I don't really, I don't really think I like the SmackDown versus Raw versus NXT angle for a couple of reasons, but mainly because it's kind of, uh, it's giving the WWE fans another reason to bitch about Raw and SmackDown, and I, I feel like there, those programs are such easy targets just because it's kind of like those are the two biggest wrestling shows, so in this contrarian culture that not just everybody in the fucking world is living in but especially wrestling god wrestling fans nowadays they they live to be contrarian nobody wants to fucking enjoy anything so it's almost like people came to this show to just like this stupid Uh, everything's stupid and then wait for like something that they're you know quote unquote supposed to like and i don't mean internet supposed to i mean like oh you follow the show you're here to be entertained by wrestling. Here's wrestling entertain you. Oh we don't like that. That guy sucks. This guy's stupid. This girl is dumb. I, I don't understand it. Like these people. You know. Fucking. The majority of the people there. Paid. To get in. And have a good time. And they were going out of their way. To not have a good time. I. You know. Honestly. I can't understand. And we go into things. So in depth. And we critique things. With a fucking. Microscope. Under a microscope. With one of those uh, fucking glasses that uses to burn ants. Uh, You know, I find positives and negatives in a lot of things, but I just cannot get behind or fathom the new thing sweeping the wrestling nation of, oh, we hate Seth Rollins now. I I don't, nope, you're an asshole. You're a fucking asshole. If you want to dissect like we do and be like, ah, finisher spam is like, we're over it and like, You know, maybe he hasn't really been booked properly or, you know, the commentators, they pay too much attention to the fact that him and Becky Lynch are dating. Like, that's one thing. But to straight up be like, oh, he sucks. Like, he's not good in the ring. He looks like shit. He's boring. Like, yo, what the fuck? Get over yourself or, I don't know, get under your own car tire on the way to driving to Home Depot to buy a saw so you could lop your head off. (laughs)
0: Well, you know, uh, as much as I definitely agree with most of what you said, as far as I don't like the Raw, SmackDown, NXT angle, or any year when around Survivor Series, the build up to the event is always a real bummer for me. And actually, most of the time, the actual event itself I love, which is funny how that works because it exists kind of like in a bubble. But as much as You're, I'm sure, dead on that people were at Raw just to complain about it. I didn't hear anybody complaining about SmackDown this past week because as the fallout to the show we're about to talk about in a little bit more in-depth of Crown Jewel, SmackDown got to be a little bit more spontaneous because it had to be. They couldn't, you know, meticulously rewrite it over and over again. They were kind of down to the wire, and it was a great
1: show. But there was a couple of things about it. Maybe not even a couple. Maybe just one glaring thing about it that I did not like. I enjoy cheering for the faces and booing the heels. That's being a part of the show. You know what I'm saying? In my opinion. You're a part of the show regardless. You could fucking cheer and boo who you like. Anyway, my main thing is the way the angle seems to be going on TV. NXT is doing all the heel shit. Raw and SmackDown are doing all the face shit. But there's no chance whether you're at Raw, SmackDown, NXT, or otherwise, you're at any WWE event, and you put Raw and SmackDown versus NXT, the crowd is going to totally be 100% behind NXT. And I feel like that sets up a weird dynamic when the crowd, you know, before, after, during, no matter what, is dead set cheering one faction, but you're kind of presenting them as the heel. I just think it's kind of strange. So when we're talking about Smackdown specifically After all this time Of everything the Miz has gone Through in his career both you know On and off camera and on And off you know Character um, He's having a great run Whether or not that's successful in The ring like wins and losses or Whatever the fuck but just as far as Being over he's so Over as a face right now And they use that whole like, nobody gives me respect, but I work so hard and I love this shit and all that. They turned all that finally into a positive where the crowd's like, you know what? You're right. We love you. We're totally into everything you're doing. You could do a talk show and we're going to, you know, cheer the fuck at you, out of you. You could lose a match for some reason and, you know, four minutes against some rando. And it doesn't matter because you're so over as a face and we love you. So putting Champa in there and you know champ like the, the top baby face on nxt right now putting him in to like verbally battle with miz and he's doing all this heel shit and presenting himself as a heel it just doesn't work and then they have a match and what happens like neither one of these guys can really afford a loss and champa just you know be some clean and i don't think any of this made champa look good but i thought all this made the miz look bad and i, I just i don't know man just And like you said, it was kind of a sporadically written thing. And hey, man, sometimes people need to win and sometimes people need to lose. But for some reason, that whole segment just kind of bugged me. And I just feel like this whole thing is just not not being, you know, I guess, booked. I don't even want to say properly. It's just not to my liking.
0: That's how Survivor Series has been for the last 20 years. You know, it it just it's this weird T-shirt color supremacy of, you know, The red shirts versus blue shirts, usually. Now we got yellow shirts, too, where people that hated each other before are all of a sudden teammates because they care so much about the show they're on, even though everyone on this show has only been on whatever show they're on for a couple weeks because they just had this draft. And then the actual event of Survivor Series will be awesome, and then they can move on, and nothing that happened up until then or at that show will
1: matter because they'll start thinking about WrestleMania. It's just such a bummer. When there's this should be like such an amazing time. In a lot of ways, it is such an amazing time. There's so much good wrestling and good or bad. There's just so much accessible wrestling right now. Uh, And I hate when it's kind of tainted by so much negativity by not even the wrestlers or the companies per se. Maybe maybe the wrestlers and the companies, too, but not exactly what I'm talking about. Just by the fans like fan a going out of his way to ruin fan B's enjoyment just to kind of make themselves feel smarter or make to validate their uh, wrestling preferences more. It just, it's such the antithesis of why, in my opinion, we watch wrestling, you know, you and I, we watch wrestling because we like to dig deep and dissect and overanalyze. And, you know, like I said, the name of the fucking podcast is stiff shots. We like to be pricks, but, it's all in good fun, and it's because we enjoy it and love it so much, and not because we're trying to fucking convince the employee of the month at dwayne Ass Reed that we've heard of you know some hundred and fifty pound wrestler before somebody else has
0: well, that being said, there's lots of wrestling and contrary opinions that took place about this show Crown Jewel, and we're going to dig into it. Now there was a pre-show that determined who faced AJ Styles in the main show it was a, uh, a battle royal that Umberto Carrillo won by eliminating Eric Rowan last, which is I'm sure everyone was real sad they wanted to see Eric Rowan versus Alan Jones Styles. but now we got Umberto Carrillo who is related to Angel Garza whose real name is Umberto.n't that fun? So, Umberto beats Eric (laughs) Rowan.
1: (laughs) Yo, you know what's the craziest part about this match? That, like, no way Jose was in it, Mojo Raleigh was in it. And that means they paid for airfare to get those guys from, you know, probably Jacksonville, Florida, or, like, Tallahassee, Florida, to fucking the Middle East to have this match. I actually, I picked Umberto to win this match, and then he won. And, uh... I think R-Truth was the best.
0: Yeah, R-Truth is always the best in he's everything best. he does. He's, he's so even, He's the best in things he doesn't do.
1: Yo, know, um, Michael Cole announces during the Battle Royal that R-Truth won the 24-7 championship for, quote, the billionth time. <laughs> I re- yeah, I really like that.
0: So then we got the opening match of the, the show proper, Brock Lesnar, the... WWE heavyweight champion of the world, reigning, defending, undisputed, faces off against his UFC rival from a decade ago, Cain Velasquez, who's got Rey Mysterio, brackets Jr. coming out to the ring with him, and this match lasts, this match is so short that they show the entire match again on SmackDown, because it's two minutes long of just, the worst fumbling around I've ever seen. And I and I saw Kane wrestle in uh, AAA, and he wasn't bad at all. But And I think Brock is awesome, so I don't know what happened here, but it seems like they... Oh, I don't know if they called an audible or what, but whatever. He fumbles around for a second, gets caught in an armbar, and taps out. Clean as a whistle. And that's an expression I never really understood, because whistles are pretty filthy. I mean, people are oh, blowing the their fucking, spit
1: yeah. Disgusting. Coach Ketchum from Jim. Disgusting.
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, Mr. Hamilton, who was always like, you know, if you listen to ACDC, it means you're gay. And I'm like, listen, man, that's not even the gayest thing I did today. But after Kane taps out, Rey Mysterio bludgeons Brock with a chair, which I actually thought was pretty sick. And that sets up a ongoing feud for them that will continue at Survivor Series. So that that part of it was cool. But uh, And the Kane match not lasting very long was kind of cool, too. But the match itself was not very good.
1: Yeah, dude, this is such a a what-the-fuck. And what-the-fuck isn't necessarily bad, but, you know, what rumor is that Kane has a knee injury, so they're like, "Uh, you know what, let's just do this. But who the fuck knows? You know, I don't even want to acknowledge rumors anymore because I'm so sick of dumbasses, you know, rumoring around clean your fucking room. Uh, So this would have been an awesome UFC match because in UFC, it's legit, you know, as, as in real, like, real men real fights um so when like something like this happens it's like holy fuck that was awesome uh so adding that type of realism all right i can understand why that could be appealing you know especially on paper and brock has had ufc matches that have gone essentially exactly like that only with him losing but you know with all the build-up for this and everything i'm I'm not really sure how i feel about it it, you know in a wrestling ring to be honest even now i'm not sure how i feel about it i don't know if i think it's cool because it's like well ufc guys fighting each other in a professional wrestling ring and it kind of just was a ufc match that's what what they do um so like oh yeah cool it's real but in other ways like well if i wanted to watch real i would watch ufc instead of watching the, the um crowning crowning achievement of um arabia
0: you know who they didn't fly across the, the uh, world to participate in Crown Jewel? Who was that? Walter. So then we have the tag team match between all the tag teams to determine the best tag team in the world, because Jewel. And the OC is deemed the greatest tag team in the world, which I guess would be cool if the former greatest wrestler in the world wasn't Shane McMahon so now they're the tag team version of Shane McMahon this uh (laughs) this isn't great it's cool to see some teams that we haven't seen in a while B team getting to be out there uh Lucha House Party uh Hawkins and Ryder I know you are under the confused impression are good enough to be on television so they got to fly across to the desert camelback I'm assuming well, probably got yeah. action figures of camels that they're riding on already for sale on their website. But, um, this lasted a really long time too. I mean, I get there's so many teams, but you know, it, it felt like most of the show was this match.
1: You know what? Certain parts of this match. I really liked <clears throat> not all of it though. You know, rude Ziegler versus the Luchas was cool. Luchas always do great tag team shit. And I really like the, uh, DDT finish. So I thought that was cool. And I, you know, Obviously Rude and Ziggler going over it was cool. Then um Hawkins and Ryder come out and I'm like, Oh yeah, fucking sick man toys. And uh man, they were not not good, huh? Yeah, not good. Hey there. Hey, sorry. Yeah, dude. They go for that cool neck breaker tandem move and instead of it being cool, it's like, oh god, man, what do you do you guys even care about, about anything? So, you know, bummer that they fucked up their one cool uh One actual chance to shine in this match, but at least it was quick. The uh, double-team zigzag, love it. So, Rude and Ziggler win two in a row with, you know, uh, cool finishes. Ziggler and Rude versus Heavy Machinery. Same thing. I I just feel bad for Tucker because of how wide the gap is between how over he is and how, like, actually over Otis is. And Otis, Otis has got over so much so quick and tucker's kind of in that you know tag along spot but i thought this was
0: um well you know at the same time though otis is better than tucker i mean the difference between how over they are not that it's the reason for it but it's also the difference between how good one of them is compared to the other tucker is not horrible obviously i mean he's not brandon cutler but he's not awesome and otis really is awesome
1: do you think you think otis is um that much more awesome than Tucker and not just because of his, you know, charisma and 7-Up logo body?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely don't think that that hurts him, but I think just in general, like, ring ability, that Tucker is still so, so green, and Otis, even if he's just as green as him, he, he very well may be. Based on their NXT performances, I don't think that he is, but at the same time, he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity to mess up on the main roster for me to see otherwise, but I think that charisma... At the very worst, shields him from exposing how green he is. But Tucker, every time he's in the ring, I'm. So, other than that, that match they had between uh, Rowan and Brian versus Heavy Machinery, that's the only time I've seen Tucker not embarrass me. Second yeah, yeah,
1: that that was a good match. But yeah, I mean, Otis is less green because the background is green and he is the <laughs> red dot
0: <laughs> on the sub
1: up logo. Yeah, the, for sure. The un the uncola. He's cool um, spot cool spot sega genesis heavy machinery and new day i was like oh cool and they get right into it um, biggie does that limbo spot you know kind of the uh matrix shit but not matrix just like he's fucking doing limbo like an 80s uh vhs you rent from blockbuster all the yeah russell limbo
0: he's my favorite news talk radio host
1: but new day goes over that's cool b team comes out and uh all of a sudden new day they switch the corner that they're tagging from and uh, that's it. And the match ends. <laughs> uh, New Day and Revival. Same thing. Excellent pace. Just right from the jump. Uh, their Clash of Champions match was so good. So it's cool that they linked these teams together. But only with Kofi this time. Uh, I love the small package finish. Um, and I thought the attack after, you know, leading to their, you know, SmackDown match that happened. Or that was supposed to happen the next day was cool. Um, I kind of forgot that that match didn't get a chance to happen because everybody got um, stuck in a a different 80s movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger may have been. Whatever. Um,
0: You talking about Jingle All the
1: Way? I don't know. I'm just trying to make some type of, you know, uh, hostage joke. Um,
0: Well, Jingle All the Way has Sinbad in it, who rumored to be that genie in a movie in Saudi Arabia. So I think it can make a connection here.
1: Well, I think the connection there is that Anakin Skywalker's in it, and he hates sand.
0: Yeah, and then, uh, you know, someone asked me if they needed to see the other Star Wars movies before they see The Last of the Skywalker or whatever in December, and I was like, well, basically, you know, it's about this little kid who, a slightly (laughs) older kid, (laughs) wants to bang him, and it makes him so frustrated that he becomes evil and has children that want to bang each other. But instead, uh, he just gets his arm chopped off by his son.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's funny and all, but I don't like that that's the way you sum up those movies, man. Like, what are you doing?
0: That's what they're about.
1: No, that's what you take out of them, because you're a sick freak.
0: So then, after the OC is crowned the best tag team in the world, I'm assuming because the crown prince of Saudi Arabia just loves early 2000s, and late 90s, American culture so much, which is why, remember, they had that guy a couple Saudis ago <laughs> um, that he wanted Yokozuna, but Yokozuna's dead, so they just got some <laughs> other sumo wrestler. Remember that? So he, he just started watching the OC, and he's like, I love Seth Cohen and Summer. And so they, he's like, oh, man, Seth Cohen's a wrestler now, and now he's the tag team champion of the world.
1: The crowd was just totally out of this match by the point that it finished and um the reason why i think that that's interesting is because we kind of skipped over a bunch i'm just kind of sick of talking about this match also it's so
0: long it's like over 30 minutes long
1: yeah i'm glad that the viking raiders didn't win i thought when they came out last like oh of course these fucking guys come out last because they only do one match over and over again it's and it stinks so of course they're gonna win and they lose and um that's cool because i'm not fans of them
0: Well, they lose because they are, in fact, losers. Now, at Survivor Mm. Series, they're facing off against the Undisputed as Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, and Robert Fish, as well as the other tag team champions, The Revival. And I am excited for anybody but them to win.
1: Yeah, hope they don't win. I like, uh, man, i love to see Kyle O'Reilly do anything.
0: Yeah, he is really cool, and I'm excited that he's going to get to be on a Survivor Series because... In a few years when I am waiting for T-Gives to come during a No Fun November and I'm watching all the Survivor Series in a chronological row. One of these days it's going to be old Kyle popping up, playing the guitar on his belt. And I'm Is gonna... that what
1: you do? You watch all of them or you just watch one a year or something?
0: No, I watch all of them.
1: You watch every Survivor Series every year leading up to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I used to do that with uh, WrestleMania, but I stopped doing it. Well, I mean, I, I stopped doing it every year. I'll do it.
0: Now Ever some I will skip a big chunk of the show like the nineties one sometimes they're just so heavy with the survive the elimination matches, which I do like, but usually each one each year I kinda have one in my mind that I think of, you know. So yeah. I might skip a, a chunk of the show or you know, the earlier two thousands one like uh two thousand two, I believe it is. It might be two thousand three. No, two thousand two is the elimination chamber instead of the elimination matches. Yeah. So, I'll watch that. Um, but yeah, I try to watch all the Survivor Series. Just like for Halloween, I'll typically watch a bunch of Halloween Havocs, but I've never seen 99 or 2000 up until this year.
1: Yeah. Yo, did you ever order a, um, a Survivor Series when it was on Thanksgiving Day? I did. So, yeah, that was like my big, my big thing. So, uh, every Thanksgiving morning, I will watch one survivor series every year but um and for I, years
0: you know smackdown was on um thanks was on thursday yeah yeah thanks and so I'll, for a long time I had to go to my grandmother's house for thanksgiving who never had cable but smackdown was on UPN which was one of the like five channels that her rabbit ears would get so I would still get to watch smackdown and see Don Marie participate in the you know Indians versus Pilgrims match And, uh, but luckily my grandmother's dead.
1: Well, hey, man, whatever happened to Merry Christmas? (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving, whatever. Don Marie, whatever
0: happened to Merry Christmas? Marie Christmas. So, speaking of Christmas, it came early for Mansoor because he got to have probably the best match of his career against Cesaro in his, I believe they say he's from uh, Riyadh specifically, even though in Jeddah, it sounded like he was from (laughs) Jeddah.
1: Yeah. But, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but either way, he's from Saudi Arabia, which is cool, you know. As much as it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to win between getting a singles match on this show and it being against Cesaro, who just kind of is that lower card, jobber to the stars a lot of the times. I like the idea of you know I, I'm I'm big into I wish that the WWE treated people when they were in their hometown like a huge star because then they could have a star in every city. And you know, that was one thing that I gave AEW credit for and when i say one thing i mean the only thing that they've done in their six weeks of being on television that doesn't make me sick was making Britt baker seem like a really big deal when they went to her hometown in pittsburgh if you know wwe did that everywhere they went then every time they'd had a show they'd have a different star so i think that's really cool it's a bummer that the only place or the only time they'll go to Mansoor's hometown is going to be twice a year for you know uh bad political reasons but I think he's awesome. I love when they give him this time to shine because between this and when they were in Jeddah, he just comes off like a legitimate star, not just because everyone's cheering for him, but even when he does the post-match promos, he just seems like the man, you know? And I, I think that that's really cool. And the match is really good. I mean, you're in there with Cesaro. It's hard to have a bad match, I'm sure. And he's a competent enough worker that, Mansoor, that is, is a competent enough worker that they pulled it together. So I, I thought this was really great.
1: Yeah, this was my favorite match of the show by far. Oh, yeah. uh, Manasaur, his music is awesome The reaction that he elicits Is really touching to me And that might sound like corny as hell But I, I don't give a fuck, man Like, just right away And I, dude, him winning The Battle Royal last time Like, really, really got me And I loved it So I was like, half Wondering if it was, if that was gonna happen Again, and this whole match It just like, fucking it nailed me. I felt like, you know, my mom watching a Barbra Streisand movie. Um, you know, uh, Cesaro is just such a warrior and a fucking mechanic. So I assume he's going to make Monsor look like a million bucks. And, of course, he absolutely does. Uh,
0: but you know what? Without making himself look like a chump either. Like, he's still oh, come to as... Of
1: course. Dude, that's, that's why he's so good. And it's not just like, you know, he's not like one of the Mulkey brothers in the 80s or fucking um, – I don't know, fucking Tom Stone in the 90s or other jobbers that that I like. You know, he looks legit, and the whole match is kind of like, oh, well, of course, Mansoor is going to win. But then during the match, you're like, you know what? You never know, because Cesaro is, you know, a little revitalized right now, it it seems like, at least. Um, So everybody looks great, you know. Mansoor's athleticism is, like, very cool, but it's unique. You know he's not doing the same dives everyone's doing, even the way he like he does his his uh gymnastic stuff or his very athletic stuff it's it's, uh, it's very different. you know if it was uh, a video game, they wouldn't be able to have him and every other guy there you know drop kick off the top, just be you know uh, one motion capture. you know he's very distinct. Um, Cesaro doing the gut wrench from the second rope. With no assist is baffling. Just you know, he gets up on the second rope, and is on the outside. Yeah, I'm just gonna lift him up with a gut wrench and suplex him back. It's just like I said, he he's insane. Uh, the false finishes in this match are actually false finishes. They're not just you know wrestler A doing a um, doing moves to wrestler B, and then he kicks out, and then uh, now now it's your turn. You know, the, every time it's like oh. I actually thought the match was going to end there, going either way for either one of them. Um, The powerbomb counter from the second gut wrench was astonishing, and it was, like, super unexpected. And that was another thing that, you know, the way Cesaro took it and the way Mansoor gave it, it was very different. You know, it wasn't that typical, uh, oh, I'm going for a powerbomb off the top. No, you're not. I'm going to. You know, backdrop you off. Oh, I'm going to land on my feet and then throw you off. But I'm going to land on my feet first. and You're going to hold onto the turnbuckle. You know, that whole same fucking shtick everybody does. It wasn't that. Um, beautiful moonsault and an, an amazing match overall. And I love the finish. You know, I just loved this match and both of these guys. The post-match promos that Mansoor does gets me, even though they're half corny, And half in a language I don't even fucking understand. I I just... Dude, this was the 2019 version of 1986 Wrestling Basics. You know, like, it was so simple in story. And, you know, I don't know if, if angle is too strong. But, you know... Badass heel makes the white meat baby face look amazing. And the badass heel doesn't look shitty for losing. It just makes the, the face look better for being able to beat him. And then he gives this amazing inspirational promo at the end. It was just like by the numbers, perfect wrestling.
0: I love this match. I love the fallout of it with the promo and everything. And it just makes, it makes me wish they do more with Mansoor stateside as well. Because he's, he's got it. Whatever they're looking for, he's got it.
1: Dude, if, if they don't, you know, maybe he just, like, he needs more work aside from just, you know, getting this match in. You know, if I didn't know shit about anything, I would have seen this match and been like, well, yeah, this guy already is a star. He's ready to go. Maybe he's not. Maybe it's just, you know, him being well on the way and Cesaro helping him out a lot. But if he's not a, at least a, like, burgeoning star in the U.S. in a year's time somebody's fucking up somebody's totally fucking up and if if they ever come anywhere close within the first you know four five years of this guy's american career of turning him into a stereotypical middle eastern heel god i'll lose my fucking mind i'll i'll lose my mind in in a negative way i think maybe they do that and i'm like oh my god they got me it's so good but um because I think they could – right now, oh, we're in Saudi Arabia. This is the Saudi Arabian guy, and he's playing that hometown baby face thing. But just by the way he's doing that so expertly this young, he has it. You know, they could be like, yeah, he's from Saudi Arabia. That's it. You know, that, that's the only time his nationality ever has – the same shit they're doing with Ali. You know, you could, you could mention it. You yeah, know, this, this guy is of Middle Eastern descent. All right, next. You know, give him a character aside from that. Don't define him by that and definitely don't make him that 80s heel, which I would like to think they're smart enough to stay away from that from now. But anytime I ever think anybody's smart enough to do anything, it's just like,
0: well, a couple of dummies are up next between Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman. Uh, Tyson Fury is the least charismatic person I've ever heard constantly described as a charismatic person. He's like, I don't like this guy at all. Everything about him sucks. The way he looks sucks. The fact that he's super racist. And and I'm not just saying (laughs) him coming out dressed as a Saudi Arabian. I guess you told me that's like his gimmick. He comes out dressed as wherever he's at. But, I mean, he's documented super homophobic, transphobic, racist piece of garbage. And, of course... He's facing Braun Strowman, jobber to the stars, literally, in this match. But they don't even let him get knocked out by the world champion boxer. Not that boxing is even a thing anymore as much as it used to be 20 years ago. <laughs> he gets counted out and then just power slams him anyway. It's it's such a waste of everybody's time, mainly
1: mine. What about Braun <laughs> braun slams him and he calls him a piece of crap yeah that was funny you're in my ring you piece of crap as he walks out you know braun Strowman being big show is a bummer yeah i i feel like one of us says that every single week um and i don't mean that in a negative way to big show because i love big show but uh you know just that big giant monster who should be the undefeated champion for 175 years instead he's just you know Hey, sometimes you're kind of a a badass, but you're also just this goofy guy who gets beat by the celebrities. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot that this guy is, like, a really shitty guy. He hates anybody who isn't just a fucking straight white male. And he's very open about it. And I'm like, ah! Well, he also hates Jews that are straight white
0: males, too. So you got to be a little bit more specific. But, yeah, he really sucks. And, I mean, aside from him being a terrible person, he's also not good at... He's not charismatic. I don't know if people just don't know what that word means, so they use it to describe him a lot. If charismatic means he's got a sloppy body that looks like he's never going to sit up in his life, then yeah, he's charismatic as hell. But he isn't interesting to listen to talk or fight or anything that should make him spend eight minutes in front of me with Braun Strowman and then defeating Braun Strowman. So this sucks, and I'm going to move on with Alan Jones Styles. Versus Umberto Carrillo. Because I like both of them. Both of them make me happy. And they are charismatic. Umberto's got those dimples. Just dimpling with charisma. AJ Styles, even though like 10 years ago couldn't say a sentence into a microphone without stumbling over it, is now incredible. So he's got charisma and that cool haircut. And I just
1: love both of these guys so much. Dude, did you... You know, we're skipping ahead. Who cares? If Fucking Carrillo talking on raw with the street profits i had no idea that man he has the great khali's voice
0: <laughs> and the best part about that is which i've mentioned to you before and it, that crowd that you were in didn't do you any favors but to me it seems like the street profits despite being on raw for weeks and weeks at a time now are not over at all to these raw audiences even though i love them so i'm not trying to disrespect them but They really want to get this we want the smoke catchphrase over. It's not over. Nobody cares when they come out. And, man, it was dead silent during that whole bit on Raw this past week.
1: The first week they were on Raw, they were in the main event, and they won, and they're holding babies. And I was like, dude, they just knocked it out of the park. It's amazing. And then it's been flat. And, you know, hopefully it was just an anomaly because the Long Island crowd was just so shitty. They're all so fucking pretentious. They don't want anyone to know they're having fun ever You know, there was eight people there that just could not let people stop, you know. They couldn't let it go that they know that AEW is a company. Like, yeah, man, it's on fucking Turner Network, television network channel. Like, 120 other people know that it exists. We don't give a fuck. Or even if we do give every fuck in the world, we're here to watch world wrestling entertainment. You know, dude, I could never imagine, you know, Going to a fucking Slayer show and then deciding, you know what? I really like Megadeth. I'm going to start chanting Megadeth. What? What are you, an asshole? You're a dumb asshole. Wait till fucking next week and go see Megadeth also. Just fucking dumbass prick behavior trying to ruin everybody's enjoyment of Kario coming out and yelling in the great Khali's voice. <laughs> but, yo, this match, Styles and Kario. This, I thought this was a, a great match the Oh it crowd, was so
0: good If it wasn't on the same show as Mansoor Cesaro It would have been the match of the night Match and, of the week
1: Yeah the, the crowd was shot The crowd was exhausted at this point And I also think Because the crowd isn't an American crowd That gets you know What do we get Fucking 15 or 10 hours of new WWE content Every week They're very familiar with AJ Styles and they're not very familiar with Carrillo so they're cheering for AJ and AJ's being presented as the heel and I legitimately think the crowd was a little confused by how the match was was proceeding you know when you think that you know your your favorite guy is like the good guy and he's coming in he's working as a heel against this you know brand new fucking young baby face it's a little confusing but um either way you know Kario i think is still green and he's very young but that being said i think he's even matured quite a bit just since he's been brought up from 205 live so if everybody is patient with him you know i'm, what I'm talking about is like coaches and writing staff and whatever the fuck uh i actually believe Carrillo could be A really really big star you know he has a lot to work on but you know who doesn't you know i have a lot to work on in my fucking life and i'm older than carrillo but um working with guys like aj consistently it's just going to be invaluable to him so uh i I really liked this match i thought both guys looked great and i love the finish
0: yeah I, i even like Humberto more now than i did like you said just a couple weeks ago even when he was on nxt and 205 live um each week that he comes out and does something more even having that great colleague voice it's, it's cool man like that makes me like him more i'm, I'm into it
1: i don't uh, think that made me like him more but it definitely makes me laugh makes, <laughs> in time in time it really might you know every new facet like him about more. him makes me like him more i guess is what i'm
0: trying to say every new thing i find out about him makes me like him more
1: every little thing he does is magic
0: <laughs> every little thing it turns me on and what I wanted to turn off was Natalia versus Lacey Evans, <laughs> the first women's match in Saudi Arabia, and hopefully the last. If this is a sign of things to come, I'm kidding, of course. I hope there's more women's matches in Saudi. Because in all reality, I think it's no surprise to anybody that I like women's wrestling more than men's wrestling most of the time. Anyway, um, Natalia nor Lacey Evans are very much wrestlers, but they were. In competition with each other and you know kind of speaking to what you were talking about with mansoor versus cesaro that after the match you kind of got caught up in the emotion of it this match to me was not good okay and the reason why i didn't think it was good is because it wasn't but the emotion that they had and that the women in the audience had after the match also affected me i was i was caught up in that you know it, it it stirred with me so the fact that it took place i realize is a bigger deal than what took place and so I, I definitely respect and, and admire that. And I thought that was cool, especially Lacey Evans being from South Carolina, where I'm from, that was cool. And Natalia being from not very far away from Saudi Arabia and Canada, that's cool too. So, you know, I, I appreciate the, the uh, levity of, of them wrestling, but I did not appreciate the seven minutes and 21 seconds of them attempting to get through a contest.
1: Dude, I feel like the way Natty was moving it was almost as if she was so nervous about messing up that she wound up like moving really slow and everything was like very like gingerly done um but you know what are you going to do in this situation like i i'm assuming it was it was the nerves and you know uh if you watch WWE programming but especially you know the fucking diva show or whatever the fuck natty is so um always trying to get to do more stuff and she wants to be more involved than she is. So I feel like this was uh, a bigger deal to her than perhaps one of the other women, if they were chosen to be in this spot, I don't know if that's true or not. That's just, you know, maybe a bit of a a feeling I get. Um, So in that way, I was like, I was happy that Natty was a part of it. And like you said, everything that this match means is more important than the match and, um, you know, a lot of people are so down on WWE going to Saudi Arabia and all this shit. And, you know, we, we meaning Americans or even just Westerners, are so quick to judge other cultures based on our culture. Sometimes I think that's OK. Sometimes I don't think that's OK. In this situation, I see two different sides. I don't really know exactly where I stand. E- either way, um, I guess that's besides the point. What it is... It is very cool that this match happened. You know, for all the, the bad that the show means, uh, maybe socially or politically, um, and like, oh, well, the women are wrestling there, but they had to wear these weird outfits and cover themselves up with t shirts. Like, I get it. But, you know, for better or worse, a baby step in the right direction, or even a, a large adult step, but albeit one step in the right direction is a trillion times better than no steps at all or steps backwards. Um, there is a lot of, fuck, man. I was going to say young, impressionable people in that crowd, but fuck that, man. There's a lot of all age, impressionable people in that crowd. So seeing two women wrestle in that building can mean something so much more than we think. You know. We might think. Oh well. They just had two women wrestle there. To shut up you know, the critics. Or to say that they had two women wrestle there. But the only thing that matters to WWE. Is making money. Like well. I, I'm not going to argue that. Uh, the driving force behind any action. The majority of any human in the world does. Is money. You know. Whether it involves something ethical or unethical. But you know. And maybe I'm just being uh, overly optimistic about this, but the main thing is, you know, they showed little girls in that crowd, and I, I don't even care if it's like, oh, they made sure they found the one little girl in the crowd and told her they were going to put the camera on her. It doesn't matter. Like, even if one little girl in that crowd saw this match, and she's, you know, fucking six or seven and remembers that, and when she's 12 or 13 is like, that was such an important uh, thing for me to learn i saw women doing the same thing that men were doing uh and that does, that's not the norm in saudi arabia but i saw that i know that could happen i you know i can do anything in the world now too i know this is like fucking like i said mr van Driesen, you know optimistic bullshit but at the same time you know it's it's not it's not untrue you know listen and... if if
0: cameron could have been Influenced to want to be a wrestler by seeing Melina versus Alicia Fox on SmackDown or Raw. From Raw. From Raw. (laughs) There's nothing, there's no reason that someone couldn't be influenced as a young child or an old child seeing Lacey Evans, South Carolina's own, basically my neighbor when you really think about it, versus Natalia at Halloween Havoc. So I, I agree with you. I think it's very cool that it happened whether or not the match was good or not.
1: Yeah. And I I love that Graves and Cole were just straight up emotional. Yeah. But they weren't milking it. They were in all actuality. It seemed like Graves was like, yeah, you know, I actually am a little caught up and Cole was so much that he straight up stopped talking and looked down like, okay, get the fucking camera off me. So I'm not on camera crying. And it it was awesome. I loved it. Bad match.
0: So then we have team Hogan versus team flair. (laughs) With the (laughs) (laughs) WWE champion Roman Reigns, if you were to believe the floats that were parading down Riyadh before this event. I don't know if you saw that footage, but they had a giant float of Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns just has the championship belt around them (laughs) in their float. So he is over as hell in Saudi Arabia, which I guess makes sense. And it's him, Rusev, Ricochet, Shorty G, and Ali. Versus Orton, Corbin, Lashley, Nakamura, and Drew McIntyre. What did you think about this match? You tell me about it, because I don't—I don't really remember a whole lot about it, other than Shorty G's cool uh, Seattle Seahawk color basketball jersey that he was wearing, and Ricochet looking like an absolute moron more than usual with that—that uh, that he looked like the symbol for autism has all the colors, the primary colors, blue, yellow, and red in different puzzle pieces. And he looks like that. Maybe that's what he was, now that I say it out loud, maybe that's what he was supposed to be because he seems like somebody that would represent that kind of cause. So I'm not trying to mock him if that is what he was dressed as. If it's not, then I'm tearing him to pieces about it.
1: Man, I don't know if that's why he did that. (laughs) You know, um, there's a couple of things I took from this. The first thing I took from this, Graves making the Hogan fist helmet reference. I don't know if you know about that. If you don't, Google Hulk Hogan helmet with the fist. There's a story behind it. It's ridiculous. He made a reference to that. Very funny to me. Do you remember Orton's promo on SmackDown leading up to this? Maybe one of my favorite Orton promos of all time. He's in the ring with the team, but he's speaking for the team. Uh, So his promo got me really psyched for this match. I thought there was a couple of cool points to it. You know, uh dude, I love Gable's belly-to-bellies. They're fucking flawless. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And
0: every suplex he does, he, he just does it with such precision and accuracy. And and like you said, uh I know you said flawless, but it looks effortless with
1: him too. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh one of the biggest takeaways from this was Rusev milking the wanting to get his hands on Lashley. So that whole angle leading up to this, the Rusev Lana Lashley uh, triangle bullshit, I I don't like. I think it's silly. Not because I don't think love triangles in wrestling is bad, you know. I fucking grew up in the nineties, but I just thought that you know this angle is is stupid and it's not done well. But to me, it's all forgivable because I love the traditional Survivor Series match, the elimination where you know there's usually one or two sets of rivals and then two or three randoms on each side. But the one hot feud that's driving that match, you know, for example, Jake, the snake needs to get in the ring so he can get his hands on Rick Martell. And every time Rick Martel's on the ring, Jake's dying to get in, Jake gets in Martell tags out and runs away. There was that type of tension between Rusev and, uh, Lashley, where even though there's five, you know, five, uh, wrestlers on each side i don't want to say legit huge stars because that's an over-exaggeration but you know five stars on each side what about i don't know six
0: if... in the tokyo though
1: <laughs> nice i don't know about you but for me i was dying to see rusev and get his hands on lashley just because of the way they were milking it and when he finally did you know I-, I was excited about it dude that one bump ali took off the top rope he just fucking throws himself back where he gets pushed you know But throws himself backwards and just takes a blind bump on the guardrail. God, that was just fucking insane. Um, Seeing Jimmy Hart on the outside managing was like just like a nice nostalgic feel to me. On the other hand, dude, I love Ric Flair as a heel manager. You know, Grant, I'm probably going to love anything Ric Flair does. Um, His promos leading up to this were just fucking really hard to hear because... You know, he has no idea what he's doing and he flies off the handle. But him without a microphone, just, you know, his mannerisms and being that heel manager outside. I love that. I love that there was a proper hot tag to Roman Reigns um, and the crowd exploded for it, you know, probably because he's the champion of uh, floats. Um, (laughs) He does the big boot and the leg drop, you know, the Hogan shit that was like really enjoyable to me. I thought there was a lot of good action and good tension in this match. Um the the finish I thought actually was a bit rushed, but it didn't matter. You know, I don't mean rushed within the whole match, but like when it went into the finish sequence, you know, it seemed like it was kind of rushed. But it doesn't matter. You know, um, I still liked it. It was exciting and cool and proper. Um, but my favorite thing about this whole match, and this might be fucking stupid and corny, like everything I'm saying in this whole fucking show has been stupid and corny, but the faces having the post-match celebration afterwards and it just seemed like five or six dudes like or seven with Jimmy Hart like just like having fun I I don't know I really I appreciated that and it made this whole match like all right well my main takeaway from this match was like everybody had fun in this match I had fun in this match and you know hey look good guys win everyone's smiling and flexing and fucking around yay yeah
0: that's cool Uh, the match wasn't bad I liked the idea of it but just having the the teams, you know, like you said, I always like the Survivor Series matches that are the elimination matches and the, the one feud, even though the feud that was supposed to be driving this is Hogan and Flair. But, you know, the, the one feud that really has the underlying story that's going to continue after this is Lashley and Rusev. So it was cool that they kind of teased that and held off with it instead of just opening with those two. So I think that uh, that is neat. And, uh, you know, it was it was a fun match for. Yeah, there's nothing bad about it. It was fun. It's it's the exact kind of match
1: that should be on an inconsequential show like the show. Exactly. It, it's it's fluff. You know what I really, really love about this? That, you know, obviously, Flair and Hogan Well, obviously because it's a fucking television show. But, you know, they, they don't hate each other. They're fucking their buddies. But then, you know, they start going at it on social media to, you know, sell this shit and everything. Or this stuff. I don't want to say this shit. Um, But I love that as soon as the match is over, they're posting pictures of each other, like, goofing around on Instagram. And it's just kind of like 10-year-old me couldn't imagine old guy Hogan and old guy Flair just, like, fucking howling around on a a jet. Like, I just think that's cool. It's, like, fucking... uh, like grumpy old men remember that fucking movie that my mom took me to see a
0: series of movies grumpier old men also
1: all right so imagine if those old men were not grumpy they were just happy and they just loved to tan and bleach their hair and smile and do beer that's flair and hogan that's cool man i really like that it warms my fucking heart
0: that is cool i'm glad your heart was warmed by that and if that wasn't warming enough for you, maybe the red light of the fiend Bray Wyatt will do the trick because that's our main event for the Universal Championship. Falls count anywhere. Match cannot be stopped for any reason. The fiend Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins in a battle for how many finishers Bray Wyatt can take. Now, the thing is, was this match just happened at the Hell in a Cell, of course. The Hell in a Cell. Not just a Hell in a Cell, but the Hell in a Cell. The... And it was a highly controversial finish with the Hell in a Cell being ended by ref stoppage. And a big problem for me with that match, besides the obvious of it ending that way, is that The Fiend did not look in any way dominant at all. He just took a lot of punishment and was able to get up from it. And I get that maybe that's what they're going for. But that better be what they're going for, because that's all he does in this match, too. He just gets annihilated for 20 minutes and then is able to withstand it, hit one move, and pin Seth, which I just think is uh, its not the way they should be going with this character. Now, the good news about this is that even though it's a little later than everyone would have wanted, the championship is now on Bray, and they can rehabilitate the character going forward. They can make him dominant, like he was in that Finn Balor match, the only other opponent he's had up until now. And that's really how a monster should be Advertise, whether he's a character babyface or a monster heel, whatever portrayal you want to give for him. That's how he shouldn't just be someone that's able to get beaten up for a long time until you're too tired to fight back, you know. Uh, So that is my takeaway from this. I'm glad that he won and got the championship. I think a great opponent for him after this would be someone like Strowman. Somebody that they can have someone who (laughs) isn't losing anything by losing. Because Strowman loses all the time. But he can really showcase him being unstoppable versus just able to withstand a lot of punishment. Uh, I know we want to talk about the match itself. I will say that I was legitimately worried. It came right before the finish where they were doing you know all the fireworks and cool uh, things blowing up. Where it looked like Seth got something in his eye. And I thought they were going to stop the match because of like eye damage or something. And I was like, man, they're about to stop the Match cannot be stopped for any reason, Match. <laughs> what are your uh, thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know what? This match didn't grab me, but they tried. It was better than Hell in a Cell by far to me. Um, and it seems like they're going somewhere new. So good for them, and I, I hope for the best in the angle. Um, I don't know where they're going, but, you know, th- maybe other people, this isn't the case, but for me... At least I see they're going somewhere and WWE has enough good faith with me to be like, all right, well, at least I'm along for the ride. I'm not like, well, Hell in a Cell was terrible and this was blah, so what the fuck? Um, you know, I'm, I'm here to see what they do next. And that's not just with, you know, uh, Bray Wyatt as champion. It's now with Rollins. Especially, like I said, uh, whether I like it or not, <clears throat> the crowd has completely turned on Rollins in the same way or in a similar way, in the same vein. They turned on Cena and they turned on Reigns. And, yo, it seems like they're doing the same thing with uh, Johnny Gargano. I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just so fucking out of touch that, like.
0: I don't see them doing that with Gargano at all. I think in this case with Rollins, whereas it might not, it might be independent of this, it definitely didn't help that he's going up against the most popular character in the company with The Fiend's Bray Wyatt.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Um, I noticed the last couple of times Gargano shows up on NXT, he's straight up getting some, not just like opposing chants, he's getting some boos. Um, I feel like that's
0: almost a part, and I know we've talked about this before,
1: it's this weird thing with NXT and Gargano
0: specifically that at the beginning of his matches, they boo him, and then by the middle of it, they're cheering him but it's as if they haven't learned from before that they love him you know it's just, it's yeah. a strange thing especially with those adam cole matches and again adam cole is we, we've described it as it's silly however he is so i i get it but they would boo him and he's the fa- i mean by all definitions is the face of nxt whether he's the champion or not i guess cole is more and more becoming the face of nxt but he's a heel so it's hard to position him like that but i guess in a lot of ways, he's a face because he's so over. The point I'm making here is that Gargano is their hero, and he has been for a long time. But sometimes he still gets booed at the beginning. I will say that he was getting cheered when he came out to be side by side with Champa and Balor got no reaction, but in a in a good way. Hey, they were just being funny when he kicked Gargano in the head. So, um, I, but I see what you're saying. I think <laughs> Seth is a unique case though because Seth by All parameters should be a heel. I mean, he has that nasally voice. He's kind of arrogant, which I know is part... It's always been part of his character, and he has every reason to be arrogant when he's winning all the championships and everything. And then, again, you put him up against this super popular character. It it makes sense to me. I don't see it, and maybe it's because I'm not as sensitive to it. I don't see it as people turning on the thing that's popular, like, always happens, which I am annoyed by most of the time, because I... Still think Cena rules. Still think Gargano rules. Who else? Who else was big? That you know, Orton used to get that a lot too. That he you know wasn't wasn't worth being cheered. Although he was a heel for a lot of the time too. But to me, it's it's the character should be booed. I don't think I don't think there's a whole lot to cheer about Seth other than he's just really good in the ring sometimes. But even the last several matches he's had, which may not be his fault are barely matches anyway. It's just, you know, the two or three moves. This Fiend match is a great example. And, you know, before that, he was doing the Strowman feud, right? Same thing, just tons of stomps. Yeah. So I'm not blaming him for any of that. I know that it, it's just the direction of those matches. But it's been a long time since we've had a reason to cheer Seth Rollins.
1: But has it really been that long? Because I feel like SummerSlam, everybody was all about him at SummerSlam still. Who face at some extent? Lesnar. It's when he beat Lesnar again.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't – I feel I've, like people maybe just didn't want to have Lesnar be on top anymore. But you know, I,
1: I, I agree. I agree. And I think the things that people liked about Rollins first, you know, the reason I, I believe why they said, all right, let's make him face again, was that he was having the best matches and, you know, he has, he has a different type of charisma. Uh, so they turn him face, and I think he was still trailing behind Roman Reigns as far as who WWE thought was going to be their top guy. And then, you know, he beats uh, Lesnar in the fashion he did, especially at WrestleMania, and it's like, oh, they're going with him. And then he does it again at SummerSlam. And I feel like everybody was all on that ride. And as soon as that SummerSlam match was over – then it was kind of like, like, what's next? And I, I get it, I totally get it. Um, you know, I have loyalty in this world, and other people don't.
0: Well, I also don't think that's fair. The, the WrestleMania no, match that he is had fair. <laughs> between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, he was doing the whole fighting champion thing and having really cool competitive matches against unique opponents like Sami Zayn, things like that. Really being able to showcase how gr- you know his strength is how good of a wrestler he is, but in those marquee matches that we're talking about, WrestleMania. Even the Summerslam match, the Strowman match at Clash of Champions, this—the last two matches with the Fiend, all of them—are just the stomp.
1: I and don't, dis- so, I don't disagree with that. I don't. So what we got to do as as is all. get
0: him, get him back to where he's having these long, not long, but these longer competitive matches with opponents that can go also, and maybe that can be his redemption story. But at the same time, they—he's—he's healed as hell now, whether they wanted him to be or not. So well, yo, here's me. a
1: perfect example uh him and adam cole headlining raw which people should have been going fucking crazy for and i thought that match that match was not like fucking stellar but it was a very good match and people were like not just shitting on it during the match but afterwards when i you know see on the internet i posted a picture of rollins and people are saying stuff back to me um i think you know, that, that match. That match-
0: if that match would have had a clean finish, people would have had a better retrospective look on it, like the Daniel Bryan-Adam Cole match gets. Oh,
1: yeah, but then what's the alternative? That if Cole goes over clean, like he did with Daniel Bryan, oh, you know what, Rollins isn't so bad. Or, if, you know, if Rollins would have beat him, people would have been like, oh, fuck that, Rollins sucks, he's getting the company pushed, as if NXT is not the fucking company. Um, Yeah, I
0: mean, they probably shouldn't have had that match in the first place. He probably should have been facing somebody else entirely. If I was booking Raw, which I am, I would have had him come back from Crown Jewel, pissed off that he lost to Bray Wyatt, and maybe having another, uh, you know, he, you know what? Just to show you how fickle fans are, including myself, I forgot that he just had that great match with Humberto Carrillo a couple weeks ago. You know, stuff like that is what's going to remind people of why they liked him in the first place. Stuff like shitty finishes against Adam Cole in the main event. Again, just like Gargano, when you're going up against – he's going up against the most over people in the company. He's going to be second to Bray Wyatt every time. He's going to be second to Adam Cole every time. you got to get him to the place that makes him shine, and he hasn't been there in a long time.
1: Well, and I also agree with what you're saying before. Uh, Rollins is a natural heel. You know, uh, he excels as a heel and he excels as a face, but I think he comes across more natural as a heel. That's what I'm saying. He's natural. It fucking suits him better. So I, I don't disagree with with any of that stuff. I like that they have a direction that they're going. I don't think it's too little too late with putting the title on Bray Wyatt. Um, I agree. I would,
0: what would you like to see next with Bray Wyatt with the title? Who would you like to see him go up against? What, what's the story that you're looking for there?
1: Well, so after Raw, the dark match main event was Rollins versus SmackDown's <laughs> universal champion Bray Wyatt in a cage. Um, the match was really quick. You know, Rollins had been out on Raw fucking three times already at that point. So he's out there again. They have a really quick match, which is essentially, you know, Rollins kicks and punches and, You know, then Wyatt kicks him punches and Rollins gives him a stomp and Wyatt stands up. So he gives him another stomp and he stands up and all this shit. And then, um, Rollins gets the mandible claw and loses Bray Wyatt as the fiend almost wrestled mannerism wise. And they're dressing the crowd as if he was a face. So in my opinion, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know who they're going to pair him with. So, in that way, no idea. What I do believe is the only proper thing to do is a straight up let, let the fiend be a face. If he's the character face, you know, he could, you know, uh, throw his arms up to the crowd and they can get excited. And then he could, you know, do a fucking power slam and the guy could kick out. And then the the heel could pound on him and he could, you know, kind of no sell it in the way that the Undertaker used to. He took all these moves. It looks like he's dead. and Then he sits up. You know, he could do his Bray Wyatt version of that. But he was just, you know, we saw plain, plain ass fucking Bray Wyatt as a face. We know how he acts. He was essentially doing more that than fiend stuff. But he was a little less animated. Sometimes the way the fiend is less animated to me, that's the logical way to go because dude, people want to cheer for him as it is. So don't continue killing baby faces by putting them against the fiend. It's going to make everybody look fucking stupid. You know, it's like shooting yourself in the foot, not to mention he has all this fucking merch and all these characters. Like he's so fucking marketable and you know, his, Oh, his mask is evil and everything. Yeah, man. It's fucking 2019. Evil is good. You know, who to have them have a program with that I don't know.
0: All right. Well, that is Crown Jewel, Halloween Havoc.
1: I dressed like a kangaroo for Halloween one day. And then I dressed like Wolfpack Sting for Halloween another day.
0: I dressed like Pentagon Junior one day and Pentagon Senior another day.
1: And I had uh, (laughs) zero
0: trick or treaters at my house, and I was so upset because I went out and bought them all this cool candy. And I'm not eating any sugar this month, so I can't even eat the candy for them. And so, uh, if you want some candy, let me know.
1: Yo, check out Extinction AD, the cool metal band that is mine, and we're going on tour with Obituary in December. So if you're on the East Coast, come watch some metal. We'll talk about wrestling. You can give me a free toy, and I'll give you a swift pat on the ass.
0: You heard it here first, folks. Rick will grope you for toys. But until then, we will be speaking to you next week about All Elite Wrestling's full gear. Hopefully the last AEW show I'll ever have to watch. And actually, you know what? I hope that it's not the last AEW show i ever have to watch. Because I want it to be great, and I want to love it. But in the meantime, I hate it. (laughs) yeah rockstar rolls amazon sucks bye i understand you are small the street
1: profits beat the oc two weeks ago on raw shut your mouth